and welcome to season three, episode one. You've survived. Congratulations. We've all made it to season three. We've made it to October of 2020. I feel like we should get some sort of magic biscuit or something like that. I'm your host, TJ Pandora Tear here, also known as Auntie Pan Pan to some. Today we're going to talk about the cults of personalities, and with that we're going to talk about how maybe some deities of ancient times are getting kind of a bad rap right now. You know, I have been noticing of late that there have been various forms of deities, gods, and goddesses that have been getting a super bad reputation or rap in numerous fictional TV shows or fictional stories or on graphic novels, TV shows, or movies, books, and yeah, even in cartoons. So are gods getting a bad Bad rap. What do you think? Come back here in a minute and we'll talk more about it. So, yet again, put your brooms in an upright position. Let's chit chat about the gods of personality. So, here we are talking about the cult of personality you know and I mean the question is basically so are gods getting a bad rap or a reputation for the way they've been portrayed in current movies or graphic novels or books of modern times modern times being in the last hundred years do you think they're getting a bad rap and my answer to that is mayhaps because yeah I guess it's because the gods are reflections of a human type of personality and helps to denote our personality traits or somehow we look at it in a morality play type of learning. They used to do morality plays in the church way back in the hundreds of years ago to learn life lessons or something like that. I mean, Zeus himself is the envisionment of as a big old slut. In everything I've ever seen, Zeus seems to be this big old dad type big beard uh, lightning and thunder toting dude that seems to have a tendency to go after nymphs and nephets, even though he's married to, you know, and thus cheating on his wife Hera. And Hera, being a very angry, pissed off wife, she turns, she doesn't go after him, she turns his mistresses into birds or dogs or chickens to be served at dinner. I don't know. She did a lot of different things. But, um, I mean, she was shown in some books as this angry, shrewish, angry, evil, bitter woman. But wait, um, her husband was cheating on her, so didn't she have that right? Well, in the Greco-Roman period, you know, a guy could do pretty much whatever he wanted, and the woman was supposed to know her place, and, you know, and Hera, oh, she attacked my mistress, so it's my mistress's fault I'm cheating on my wife. What? No, that's not how this works. Watching Jerry Springer sometimes, you know, and if you, if any of y'all have ever watched Jerry Springer, where the girlfriend or the wife is beating up on the new slut mistress girlfriend wife why aren't they beating the crap out of the part out of the husband or the boyfriend why are they not beating him up why why is this happening doesn't Hera deserve that right I think there are some really 
very bad misrepresentations of some deities out there. And I found it high time that somebody, hello, moi, should say something about it. Okay, so we're going to go down the list here and we're going to have a little tete, so to speak, about some of the things that I've been noticing in modern social media today. So hold on. Okay, so let's start with Hera to begin with. Hera is the goddess of partnerships and marriage and fidelity and family and the household and all of that jazz. She is the patron saint of peacocks everywhere. She is basically wife and mom figure. She is the wife and mom. So I find it utterly hilarious that they they allowed her to be cheated on and you know it's it's very interesting you know the greek and roman time periods totally different than one another by the way the greeks were very stoic and the romans were like oh hey we're having the party anyway whatever but i mean she's very very prideful and i think i kind of like the fact that um the graphic novel or the cartoon on webtoons laura olympus actually puts hera in a pretty good light and i kind of like that so Let's move on from Hera, because I could talk about her all day. So let's talk about Hercules. Okay, so yes. Well, this actually does have to do with Hera as well. I love that old New Zealand TV show with Ken... It's Kevin Sorbo? Yeah. With Hercules, and then you have um, Xena, Warrior Princess. I love Xena, Warrior Princess. But why is Hera such a she-bitch in that? I mean... They needed to find a villain, therefore we'll just pick one of the gods as the villain? I don't know. And by the way, why is Venus such an airhead? Why why is Venus always wearing some sort of pink pastel airhead sleeping on an eggshell with nymphs flinging by? I mean, I've seen the Botticelli pictures too. I've seen the beautiful artworks of here's Venus coming in onto the ocean from a seashell and tra-la-la as much as the next person, but she wasn't a ditz, y'all. And Ares in Xena is a complete and utter stud. Now, now that seems to be normal, though, for most pe- things I've ever seen Ares as a complete and utter stud. Except recently in Wonder Woman, and that disturbed me greatly. But why is Hera, though, re- represented as such an evil she-bitch? I, in every... Nearly... Every movie I have ever seen, Venus Aphrodite is this pink pastel wearing legally blonde designer handbag reject Prada runway model who is more shallow than the lead characters of Mean Girls and Heathers combined. What the actual heck? Why is Venus being represented as this shallow, it's all about me, pretty face, pretty body, everything's about me, beauty, 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 I need more blusher, oh my god. You know, I I come from the planet Venus myself, being a Libra, and Tauruses also share the planet with me. You know, I have yet... In all of my 50 years, I have yet to see an accurate Venus Aphrodite portrayal. I think the only one that has come remotely close 
was, I think, in Time Bandits? But that's like 20, 30 years ago, y'all. Because she was married to, was it Vulcan? Yeah, Hephaestus, Vulcan, and they were arguing back and forth. And I think it was like Uma Thurman and Oliver Reed or something like that type of characters. You know, which makes perfect sense. And I would like to point out that Venus being the goddess of love, Venus Aphrodite both being the goddess of love, they married Hephaestus, Vulcan. If I'm correct, if I'm wrong, please call me out. I would like to hear what you have to say. Because I want you to think about this for a fleeting minute. And I mean, she did kind of wang, bang, tang with Ares as well. But if you think about it, Venus was in love with someone who did not have the I'm so pretty standard. And if she was going after, like, Ares, bear in mind... Ares was a hothead. He blew up off the, off, off the handle poo, every time. And yet she was attracted, Venus was attracted to people with therapy issues or people that weren't like on the guest list. So she should have her kudos where kudos is due. Don't treat her like a legally blonde, you know, ball of fluff. And then again, if you think at the, then again, legally blonde, the girl was actually smart at the end, if you realize that. But the mean girl look, what, it, why is this? Why, why is this? You know, except if you go back and further mythology with Venus and Aphrodite, you go back further with Ishtar or Inanna, who seduced, which they kind of derive from, who seduced her own uncle Anki in the Sumerian texts to get him liquored up and knocked out so she could go and swoop his stash of magical knowledge called the Mies. And then bolt the hell out of town to bestow knowledge to humankind. That's a pretty nice chick to try to preserve humankind so they could know how to build waterways or agriculture or healing. That doesn't sound like a ditzy blonde to me. Or she could have been a brunette. Maybe she's strawberry blonde. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, you know, doesn't sound like somebody who's shallow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Venus comes from this character. Talk about a climate change. Male-ruled society, nothing against the males I know, but some of the males out there, you know who I'm talking about, ruled society, didn't like a woman that could drug leaders and steal their shit. So we made her a ditz. That seems to be the M.O. historically modus operandi of strong goddesses get pushed down by strong male leaders. I mean, let's look at Sekhmet. Let's look at Bast in the Egyptian culture. Sekhmet, strong tiger goddess. And, you know, was just... Grr. She was pissed off. She was a goddess of war with knives ablazing and taking out entire fleets because she was hurt. She was upset. She was a... She is, was, she's a female goddess. And then they took the cat goddess, Bast, and of birth and childbirth fertility and merged Bast with Sekhmet and that's how we get Bastet. I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to take this there and put this there and put that there and then we got a new god. The best case in point of this is Herm Anubis. I always talk about Herm Anubis. If you do not know who Herm Anubis is or, you know, look it up. Google it. Hermes Anubis. Basically, what had happened was is that the Greeks stole from the best. They took over Egypt. The Greeks stole Anubis, the god of the underworld, and they had Hermes. And so the Greco-Romans, they stole Anubis, 
made statues of him and his effigies and put him in a toga, I kid you not, shoved him into a toga and he became Herm Anubis. And after a generation, we went from Anubis to Herm Anubis to Hermes. You think I'm BSing you? Go look it up. So yeah, Venus, back to Venus, she comes from this stronger character. And a lot of people, it seems to be Bast is very similar to Venus as well. So, and then don't, don't even get me started on Venus, after Venus, don't get me started on Athena. Athena is always, always this stoic, loveless, spinster librarian character that since she sprung out of Zeus's throat as a form of birth, completely covered in armor, yes, in armor, it, no wonder Zeus was not attracted to her in any sort of way because, like, uh, I'm not touching that. She could hurt me. You know, Hecate? Totally out of left field. Everybody did not see that witch coming. And I can say witch because she is the goddess of witches and sorcery. She is older. By the way, Hecate, she is older than the Titans. And the Titans were before the Olympians. So Hecate is older than the Titans. She was still declared a Titan. But after the Titans fell and after the war with the Olympians, Hecate was still hanging out. So, I mean, come on now. She was around the underworld before Hades even started to rule. Hecate and Hades, you would think, would be the power couple, right? Nope. Nope. Instead, Hades fell for that precious little cinnamon roll, Persephone, otherwise known as Cori. Or, or you know, we could go into all her different names. The, the goddess of change and evolution, basically. You know, transference from spring to fall to summer, the beginning and ending of all cyclic things. You know, Hades fell for that. He fell in love with her hardcore. And then don't even get me started into the whole, oh, he took advantage of her. He took her away and tra la 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 la. Okay. I don't think that's the case. I think I, I do kind of fall onto the lore Olympus on that. If you haven't read the webtoon lore Olympus, I highly encourage it. But from what I've noticed, it seems to me that playing a ditzy gal that seduces men to get what she wants, or being a frigid girl or a crafty girl, rigid gal in either in either armor or a sorceress at the crossroads as a spinster, which was the only way to get the gods, the male gods, to stop trying to hump your leg. Or if you were living in a forest, I didn't want to forget Diana, living in the forest with your deers and you had arrows and you would shoot anyone that came in your wake, you know. Which brings us to the current representations of the gods, and we'll get back to that in just a minute. begin to get into the nitty and the gritty of it all or the nitty gritty or the woo woo of it all here we go into 
The American Gods, written by Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman, depending on where you're at is how you pronounce his name. Odin, the character of Odin from American Gods. This, or also known as Wednesday, if you've ever watched the Stars Channel version of American Gods, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. This series is about to go into its third season at the beginning of 2021, which I find hilariously fitting because, you know, all the gods seem to be coming home to roost with us. So, I mean, there is that. So, there's a lot of heathens out there that are kind of being hiffy about the character of Wednesday or Odin, spoiler alert. You know, a lot of heathens out there are, but but Odin wouldn't do that thing. Odin wouldn't do that. Okay, one of the things that is so very awesome about Neil Gaiman's American Gods Gaiman's. I always pronounce it wrong. I always say Gaiman. I don't know why. It looks like a Gaiman. Gaiman. I, it's like Eddie Azard. Izzard? Azard? Izzard? It's like my name. Don't even start. American Gods is the fact that when gods from one country travel and come to another country, guess what happens? They change. They alter to shift to become what the people want or need in that local area. I personally think I like the Americana Odin personification. I, I totally can see Anubis working at a Midwest mortuary. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, uh, Dr. Ibis, I believe, is the storyteller who was also at the mortuary, who is, I think, Thoth. So, I mean, I'm, I, can so, I can totally envision that. I'd be, like, totally down with, like going to a mortuary with Anubis. You know, I'm not fond of the representation of the god Apollo from the webtoon lore Olympus, however. Currently either. I'm not too keen of that. I love and I adore... Now, don't get me wrong. I love and I adore the art and the characters are phenomenal and I am addicted to this webtoon called Lore Olympus. However, Apollo was getting a serious bad rap for something that was more of a tendency than what his dad, Zeus, would have been caught doing. So I have some mixed emotions about that since I have a lot of friends that are dedicants to the god Apollo. So I'm like, oh, yikes. I have to say in Lore Olympus that they nailed Hermes perfectly. That that is Hermes. They they nailed him and Eros. They nailed those characters down perfectly, in my uh, point of view. I th- so I mean, and here's Apollo using cell phones for bad things. Not cool. I, it's just tacky as all hell. You know. On the flip side of this, wow. In Lore Olympus, is Hades here just smexy AF or what? I always have had a definite lean towards characters like Anki and Hades and Lucifer. I'm beginning to see a pattern, I believe. I think the reason why Loki as well, why is because they're the underdog. They're the bads. They're the bad guys, allegedly. We always gave this image of those are the bad guys. Then why are the bad guys cute and sexy? Because they're really the underdog. This is why, for cl- for cosplaying, I used to play the character of Crowley in Supernatural, the TV show. I would cosplay Crowley because, bad guy? Are you sure? Do they have some tendencies? Are you sure they're the bad guy? Let's think. 
you know, I believe I'm seeing a pattern with my lifestyle about the underdog. Now, what's funny is that in Lore Olympus, Hades is damn fine and damn sexy, but in the new version of Clash of the Titans, he's Voldemort. So all of this, I guess, has to do with perception. I mean, I guess kind of like, why is the goddess Lilith this gorgeous, strong, chesty, red-headed goddess in the vampire, the role-playing games masquerade, the Book of Nod, or the Books of Nod? She's this gorgeous creature. Then in Supernatural, she's an evil, ungrateful, brat-like child, little child, or hey, in Sabrina, the, 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 the witch series, the teenage witch the Epic Adventures of Sabrina, or Sabrina series on Netflix right now, which is about to go into their fourth and final season at the beginning of the year. Here's Lilith as the school teacher. She's this demon that serves the Dark Lord. That's not the Lilith I know. The Lilith I knew, like, loved snakes and, like, very sexy. Yes, she is, but this is not the Lilith I have ever seen bend a knee at another god. What the actual F is that all about? So, a character development, I guess. Here's the thing. Writers and bards have always had the upper hand with all storytelling. And, and I mean, they talk about this in Supernatural with, I forget the name, Chuck. Chuck is really God because he's writing the story with his little magical typewriter. And then Metronon, who's played by, ironically, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, uh, Adam uh, uh, Curtis Armstrong. And he tries taking over as Metronon. Uh, Metatron, sorry, as Metatron, who also was played, I think, by Alan Rickman in Dogma. Do you see a pattern here? All these, although Alan Rickman, I loved Alan Rickman. He was in Dogma and he did an awesome job. And then again, you've got the Archangels in Dogma too. So here we've got storytellers. Okay, bards always have the upper hand. Storytellers are the keepers of the knowledge. We are the tellers of the tale. They are the ones that are left to tell the tale, especially between wars and conflicts and takeovers and hostile takeovers. And they take what is the best of all of these uh, combined issues and stories, merge them into another story. And that's how religion basically is formed. That's how mythology is basically formed, is the survival of the fittest. And all of these tales come derived all the way back to Sumerian, maybe even before that. Misrepresentation is in the eye of the beholder. Look at Lucifer. Look at Baphomet. Oh my lord in heaven. You know, I love the saying in DC Comics, Vertigo, no, I'm sorry, Vertigo Comics, um, Sandman, when Lucifer is doing a one-man show comedy stand-up comedy act, and they said, how did you become the leader of hell? And he basically said, hey man, I didn't choose to be the leader of hell. I was pushed. And that's basically the story is that Michael, the archangel, pushes Lucifer over a cliff, kind of like, hey look, there's candy down there, push, and that's how he becomes the leader of hell. So there's a lot more to that, of course, but he did it as a one-man comedy show and it kind of was fitting. And yes, that Lucifer is the same Lucifer from the TV series character. So there you go. And then we get into the Marvel Comics world. Take a breath. Hold my beer. Loki. Oh, poor Loki. Loki has been through the accuracy coals with anyone and everyone that follows him in the heathen or Nordic religions, Marvel comics. Shame, shame, shame. Although, 
Now, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, oh my god. Read me the phone book. Read me the phone book. His damn fine and sexy. But you get 20 points for that. But Marvel, that crown is insane on his head as Loki. Not to mention, uh, we don't seem to talk about the 12, 13, six-legged horses that seem to be either sleeping with Loki or kind of nobody's talking about that. Selp, is it Selpnir? I can never, I always find it hilarious when I think about that. On another angle, or angel, I am not an Archangel Michael fan myself, personally. Probably why? Because after watching too many Supernatural episodes, or reading too many DC comics of Sandman, or the DC Vertigo TV series of Lucifer, maybe my view is askew. Uh, to, due to the image of the Angel Michael, or the Archangel Michael. I've never had a good vibe with the Archangel Michael, actually. The only time I ever liked the Archangel Michael was when John Travolta played him in the movie Michael. And that's the only time I've ever liked him. In any other movie, I have not been a fan. I have not been a fan of the Archangel Michael, but that's just me. I do believe in angels, though. So I'm more of a Gabriel or a Lucifer or a Uriel fan. Or, you know, there's several thousand zillion more angels, but for some reason, Michael rubbed me the wrong way, which is really sad because Michael is into healing and he's into saving conflicts and he's into, you know, peace and protection and all of these things. And especially dealing with dramas and things like that. But I'm not a fan. That's me, though. That's my opinion. One of my best friends, two of my best friends, follow the Archangel Michael. And every so often I get a cringe down my spine where my wings should be. Going, then again, I'm more of a Gabriel fan. And that angel has also gotten a bad rap. If you remember the prophecy, which had Viggo Viggo Mortensen in it. Another bad... Another goddess that has gotten a bad rap, or no notice whatsoever, is the goddess Columbia. Liberty evolved from the goddess Columbia. This is also mentioned in American Gods. Liberté, or Liberty, evolved from Columbia. Columbia came from Marianne, the French goddess of that country of freedom, where there is a goddess for each country. By the way, did you know there's a goddess for each country? Did you know that? We should talk about that now. I think that 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 needs to be discussed, don't you? (sighs) Get serious here for a second here. Like I said, another goddess that has gotten a horrible bad rap or no notice whatsoever is the goddess Columbia. Liberty evolved from Columbia, or actually, Columbia evolved from Liberté. Um, Columbia came from basically the discovering of America, because some people thought, oh, Columbus discovered America. Well, no, he didn't. He was doing his own little thing. He didn't discover America. He's not Americo Vespucci. He's not the Vikings. But in doing so, they created Columbia. Now, she evolved because all of the continents, by the way, have a goddess, in case you didn't know. Um, in the French, the, they have a goddess of equalité, liberté, and all of that stuff. Um, I, there's three of them. Eglaté? Is it? No. Uh, it, 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 uh, 
what is it? Fraternité, Liberté, and is it not Anglaté? That would be England, Inglaterre. But anyway, but there's three things, but it all means justice and right and happy things. Um, Columbia was evolved from the French goddess of Liberté, which um, the goddess of France is actually Marianne is her name. And Marianne is the French representation of the goddess that is for their country for freedom. There is a goddess for every country. Um, we have also for uh, Britain, we have Britannia. That's why we've got a song, Hail Britannia. Da -da 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 -da. You know, then you've got, so France is Marianne, England is Britannia, Colombia or is Liberty or Libertas. Colombia got a serious bum rap since, like I said, they named her after Christopher Columbus, who didn't even find the country. She was evolved. She has evolved into her own, merging with Liberty to be her own person. If you do get the chance to see, I think it's the first season of American Gods, you should definitely watch the episode of the evolution of the goddess Columbia. It's very, very fitting. It's a very good representation. You can actually see imagery of the goddess Columbia even in modern times now. The evolution of her is on the top of, I believe, the obelisk in the in Washington, D.C. And Columbia Pictures. They dedicated Columbia, the goddess of the, the new world to boom. Columbia Pictures. Because it's to expand onto new worlds. So I don't want to think about where it came from because she's a pretty hot goddess and she's envisioning of new ideas and new worlds. And, uh, you know, so let, let's, let's give this poor goddess a break. We've evolved her and merged her with Liberty, so it's only fitting. Being a big fan of sociology, one thing I have noticed about various deities and cultures is in the words... In the words of Francis Ford Coppola, that great bard, Francis Ford Coppola, he's always said, steal from the best. And I think that's what you have to kind of admit with the evolutions of different gods and goddesses and deities and all of that, is that victors of wars steal gods and goddesses and mix them up with their own and make them into something else. I mean, let's look at the Romans. They swooped all the gods from the Greeks. Look what the Romans did to the sexy god Dionysus who had his magic wine and his pretty little grape leaves on his head. Looks at, look, And if you look at the old pictures of Bacchus, you know, not, you know, Dionysus, before he becomes Bacchus, Dionysus is just like washboard abs and magic wine making swagger skills that Jagger himself in the 60s would have envied. Totally getting hit up on all the ladies and the nymphs until the Romans turned him into a short, squatty, fat drunkard trying to get a chance with any nymph that blinked in his direction. That's not ink. That's not accurate. And they made him a big old drunken lush. And I mean, look at, um, if you look at, uh, uh, Fantasia, if you look at Fantasia and you observe the little drunken character, that's Bacchus. That's not my Dionysus. My Dionysus hangs out with nymphs and they're making wine for celebrations. He's got a whole court of Minad priestesses dancing with pine cones and, you know, doing the things, wearing leopard skins. What, is, what, 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 what happened? What happened? 
you know, also again, Thoth from American Gods is for the most part the teller of the tale. He's also derived from the Sumerian god Ningishadah, the son of Ninharsag. Now, we don't talk about these things. Who nobody talks about. Ningishadah is the evolutionary character of Thoth from Sumerian to Egyptian. Nobody talks about that. And nobody talks about his mama. Nobody talks about Ninharsag. I talk about Ninharsag because she is one of my favorite goddesses. Nobody talks about her. Nobody talks about her. In fact, her evolution of her name is actually Nineveh. So, I mean, what the hell is going on here? We should not hate the gods and we should not hate the gods or goddesses for artists' representation art. Well, in this case, misrepresentation or actions a creator makes them do. That's not fair. But remember, deities are reflections of humankind. That's what we have to learn from this universe. This is what we've observed. This is what we've learned. And what we've learned is, like we said before, we steal from the best. The Christians have done it as well. If you go, if you have ever read or even watched the Angelica Houston miniseries, The Mists of Avalon. You do not need to watch the whole thing, although I have many, many, many times. Thank you, Marion Zimmer Bradley. The last scene, one of the last scenes in that film. Spoiler alert. They are making the Christians have won, and the pagans have lost, and the witches have lost, and the pagans have lost. Everything is now into the Christian Catholic churches. And, well, yeah. And they're at this temple, which ironically looks like uh, the end of the Rose Line there. Rosalind Church, it kind of looks like there. Some Da Vinci Code-ish kind of thoughts going through my head when I say that. So there's this beautiful statue of this beautiful woman with a halo. And she's holding this baby and just... You know, like, and they're going, oh, beautiful representation of, you know, the goddess and the lady at the altars going, oh, that's not the goddess, that's the Mother Mary. And the witch is just kind of sitting there, or the priestess is just sitting there, high priestess that was once a high priestess of the goddess, and they're worshiping her as Mother Mary. And it's one of those moments of, I get it now. It's that moment when you get that aha moment where it never matters their name, only the name. It's kind of like the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Oh, you think that the goddess's name is Mary. Oh, that's cute. Okay. There is always a mother figure and there is always a father figure. And there is always a universe. The universe has a twisted sense of imagination and humor. Our gods and goddesses are what we make of them because they may have made us but they are us and we are them that's what we have to learn from all of this we always have archetypes and within those archetypes are gods and goddesses and deities and at the end of the day they are just the representations or misrepresentations of us so then are we gods well i can't make a tree but I can learn some sort of morality from what I've observed and learned from what I've studied. 
and be the best person I can be. And I think that's what the deities are trying to show and teach at the end of the day. You know, Athena's fighting the good fight. She wants you to learn. She's a very knowledgeable goddess about studying. Everybody's like, oh, Athena, goddess of one of the goddesses of war. Actually, that's not true entirely. She was actually the goddess of academia and studying and knowledge and crafts. Hecate as well. Hecate loved arts and she loved crafts. And you know, at the end of the day, here she is making a mural, you know? Athena was a spun so much wool. She even got to a competition with Arachne, who she'd converted and turned into a spider. Athena also gets a bad rap because she turned Medusa out from this, who was a priestess who got raped. And there's another bad rap. Let's talk about that. You know, here we are. Medusa. Medusa was a high priestess and she was raped by, I think, was it Poseidon? I can't remember which god raped her, but one of the gods raped her. And she was in the temple of Athena, and then we hear this big, oh no, you know, and Athena turned her into this hideous monster, and she turns men into stone, and she hates everybody, and she wants to kill them all, and I started thinking about it. And I, you, when you take a step back, and you go, is there a possibility that maybe Athena turned her into a gorgon so no man could ever touch her again to protect her because of what they did to her in the temple they wrecked her they wrecked her hard so Athena being a strong woman who never needed a man I would assume being a former follower of Athena and I still kind of follow her here and there she she and I talk we do tea we do coffee every so often but you know I would think if if Athena is anything to the level that I think she is kind of goddess I would assume that she'd be like no one's ever going to touch you again and maybe that's what and that's like the song uh, Gorgons Gorgons always die hard um, that's from the Suicide Squad album, by the way. And um, I would have to say, that's my view on why Athena did what she did. It wasn't because, oh, you you jacked up my temple. I shall turn you into this most hideous of all things. No, 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 no. I think she did it so to protect her. My opinion. Again, opinions. We have archetypes. You know, within those archetypes, there's god and goddesses and deities. And at the end of the day... They're basically us. So there you have it, folks. Well, I don't know about you, but I think it's time for me to shake my tail feathers here and put my broom down and stir my cauldron and get ready for dinner. I hope you all have a lovely evening. I gave you a lot to chew on for a little while. So I will see you next week. Zen hugs out there and see you soon. Bye, guys. For more
more information about my crazy wanderings, ramblings, and rants, you are more than welcome to go visit me on my website at www.antipanpan.com. A-U-N-T-I-E-P-A-N-P-A-N.com. 